Good afternoon, Whitewater, and good afternoon, everyone. You're listening to 91.7 The Edge at WSU Whitewater. I'm Joe Maurer, and I will be your host for the next hour that is dedicated to the second radio broadcast of Wisconsin Farms Radio, brought to you by the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project. The Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project is a statewide multi-UW campus community collaboration project founded in 2012 at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, a rural campus between Madison and Milwaukee. The project uses the collection of stories and recorded interviews known in the academic world as oral history to engage rural and urban communities alike in conversations about farming and <coughs> food production as they relate to race, ethnicity, cultural roots, and the history of this great state. Last time I interviewed my good friends Annette Weedle and Emily Lanigan. Annette shared her experiences of growing up on a farm in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, while Emily, a fellow intern with the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project, shared her experiences of working with the project along with her intricate research on the history of the Hmong farming community in Wisconsin. This week I'm joined with my good friend and fellow colleague, another intern of the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project, Chloe Renninger. Chloe, to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, your age, your major, how about just some, some general information about yourself? Well, I am 23 years old, um, and I am a super senior here at UW-Whitewater. Um, I'm a public history major and an art history minor. Uh, I'm originally from Waukesha, Wisconsin, and that's actually where I started college. So I started at UW-Waukesha, where I got my associates with an emphasis in history, and then I transferred to Whitewater three years ago, so this is my my third and final year here at Whitewater, which is really exciting, but scary at the same time. <laughs> and I've been working on the farm project for three years now, so since I since I transferred, I've, I've been working on the project. Excellent. So you've been in the project for a very long time. You're a veteran now. I, I am a vet. with me. <laughs> I know you were already in the project for about a year or so when I joined last year, yep. so, well, a lot more experience here, a lot more experience here on the radio today, so, well, maybe. Hope, you can share, <laughs> hope you can share those experiences with us and everything, excellent. I'd love to. Well, um, to start off, thank you for that, and I was wondering for a first question, um, what work have you done as an intern for the project? I know you've done a lot and a lot of, a yeah. wide range, but is there a way you could just like narrow down a lot of the work you've done for the project with us? Oh man, yeah, I've done a, a lot of different things over the last three years, especially when we didn't have a lot of interns interns on the project, mm -hmm. it was very important to be able to wear many different hats <laughs> so you oh, could get yeah. everything done. Um, but I guess a main thing that I've, I've done is I guess you would consider it like a public relations sort of a thing. So I've done a lot of work creating and designing everything that the public sees. So our brochures and flyers, our thank you cards that we send to, to farmers, um, the name tags that we wear when we're out doing uh, oral histories or research in the field or at events. And then, of course, I also um, am in charge of our social media pages, So, which now includes Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, which is very exciting. <laughs> Well, how about that? Yes. We're so all over social media now, we aren't are. we? <laughs> we are. It's great. And we cover uh, many different things from fun facts to events happening around the state and even um, recipes for uh, using uh, fresh ingredients right off the farm that you can pick up at farmer's markets. So that's been really cool to do. 
Excellent. So a lot of the PR for the product has been your responsibility right. since like since the start of it. Because I believe you were one of the first interns on the project when it was started in 2012, if I'm correct, right? I um, was. I came on after a few other people. There was um, at least uh, like four other interns that that were there before okay. me. Um, but then I came on. Um, along with uh, Olivia Heckendorf, who um, has graduated now, uh, but she, uh, she and I were partners in crime oh, yeah. <laughs> for most of our work on, on the the farm project. Shout out to Olivia if she's listening to yes. this right now. Olivia, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> we miss you. We do miss you. Oh, and happy much. birthday, Olivia! It was your birthday yesterday. Oh, it was happy birthday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then another thing that I've done a lot of is uh, research as well, because mm-hmm. I absolutely love research. That's my, my geeky historian oh, right. side of things, is I love the, the mystery of solving oh, yes. history. and The quintessential task of a yes, historian, exactly. of course. Yes, exactly, yes. Well, with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your research? What, what sorts of things were you, re- were you, excuse me, what sorts mm-hmm. of things have you researched throughout your time here on the project? Yeah, I have done... Um, a little little bits and pieces of a couple different things, but um, my first year in uh, the spring semester, I um, was doing uh, creating an exhibit at the Horde. Uh, Museum in Fort Atkinson as part of the public history um, class here on campus. So, and um, Olivia and I actually did that together. (laughs) Yes, it was so much fun. Um, And we both got to combine it with the farm project. So we each um, interviewed um, uh, two different farms um, and farmers and then um, showcased them in the focus on Fort Atkinson and um, farming in Fort Atkinson and the history of that. So I uh, interviewed Bill and Jean Erke um, at the time, and they're uh, Holstein farmers, so they, they do dairy. And so that was really fun. So I did some research on that at the time. And then another big research project that I also did with Olivia <laughs> uh, was on uh, their the legend calls them the fighting finches. Oh, please tell us about that. Oh, I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> they are, um, according to legend, at least, um, they are a family, a big family um, in Wisconsin okay. that uh, was here, I think, between... Um, they, they came to Wisconsin, I think, in the 1840s and were okay. here until after the Civil War. Okay. Um, and they were considered to uh, be these outlaws, basically, who terrorized southeastern Wisconsin. Really? <laughs> yes, and they lived in um, Kashkanag County, but it okay. was originally called Finchtown. Okay. <laughs> yes, go figure. <laughs> Interesting. And um, the reason why we were doing this research on them was because the farm that Olivia had done um, research and interview for that exhibit, the Andersons in Fort Atkinson, um, a building on their land was originally owned and built by uh, one of the Finches. So we started to do all this contextual research and found all these crazy stories about the finches and them being uh, horse thieves and um, these just absolute ridiculous stories about how strong they were and they could, you know, fight, you know, ten men. and Like bandits of right. southeastern Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> and at the time, you know, Wisconsin was considered the West. Oh, right, So right. Uh, they, they were, you know, your 
I guess, typical, uh, at least in legend, in folklore, right. your typical um, uh, Western outlaws who right. were, you know, gunslingers and right. horse thieves. and. Correct me if I'm wrong. You said this was 1840s now. 1840s, yeah. 1840s, before Wisconsin became a state. Yep, before okay. it, so it was still a territory okay. at this point. Um, and the... Um, the family was a, it was a very big family and there was lots of men in the uh in the clan <laughs> and uh they uh i guess in real life were actually uh, a rather respectable family there were really? a few who were maybe a little um sketchy but <laughs> Uh, otherwise, it seems um, like the legend is is just that it's a legend. But we found that um, their like part of the legend was that they had a hideout in the swamps mm-hmm. in Kashkanag, and they um, they found what they think was the Finch burial grounds a couple really? years ago. Yeah, when okay. they were expanding Highway Twenty Six. So okay. Olivia and I decided that we were going to go out into the field. <laughs> And we were going to go and discover these things and try and find them for ourselves. So that was... Were you successful? Um, yes and no. (laughs) No, okay. Please tell us about that. We went... First, um, we went to try and find the burial ground, but that was proved to be difficult just because of the where the highway had moved from where it used to be and so um we we kind of found the the general area that we think that it was according to maps and what uh news articles had said about when they they found the bodies okay um and i don't know if that's been confirmed yet or not about the the bodies being uh uh, finches or not, so that might still be under... An archaeological discovery. The yes. hands of YouTube. How about that? <laughs> Put that on the resume, yeah. you know? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure that, that'll look really good. That's awesome. So, yeah, That's and then awesome. we, we tried to find uh, the, the swamp, but there's not much of the swamp actually there anymore. Okay. So that that was a little, a little difficult, but the most exciting discovery of our trip was actually we were driving out uh, like in the middle of nowhere okay. on this side road, and Olivia just suddenly yells, "Turn around!" <laughs> and so I did this big U-turn, okay. and we went back, and sure enough, there was this big road sign that said the Finch Brothers Road. Really? We were so excited! Oh my goodness, it was like the greatest discovery ever. Right. And there is this fantastic picture. I think it's on our Facebook page um, of me with my arms just around this road sign with the <laughs> biggest grin on my face. Like you can't even see my eyes. I'm grinning. So big. That eureka and, moment. Yes. <laughs> so that was that was very cool and very exciting. So that is that is astounding. Wow. That yes. is that is quite the story you have. There. Yes. So this, this Finch, these Finch people. Getting back to what you said earlier, it seems like they correct me if I'm wrong, but they existed mm-hmm. in southeastern Wisconsin in the 1840s, and they were sort of like bandits for yes. southeastern Wisconsin in the Whitewater area. Right. And they. But they did so much to the point that their historical aspect has become more of a, like, legend and full... has become more right. of a myth than actual yes. history. Right. Well, because the funny thing is, because um, Olivia and I also, we interviewed um, Dr. Julia Ince, mm-hmm. who is an art uh, history professor here mm-hmm. on campus, and she's actually doing her own research and writing a book on that building on the Anderson Farm. Really? Um, so we interviewed her, and through her we found out that... Um, 
that in reality, a lot of these finches um, were very much law-abiding citizens, and some of them were actually involved in the law, like they were sheriffs. And Really? Yes, so that's really ironic that there's such a big, huge story and legend about these these uh, this family right. of being outlaws when um, some of them were um, in trouble with the law and right. uh, were you know, rough and tumble kind of guys, but right. other ones were, um, they were architects and builders. Really? And yeah, it's, it's, it's really surprising. Actually, Olivia and I were, were not expecting that. Yeah, <laughs> so. that is, that is a huge surprise. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like some of them, while they might've been law abiding, some of them were kind of, you know, reckless and yeah. they broke the law right. and there's yeah, like bandits of Southeastern Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yes. That's interesting though. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if you go to grad school, it'd be a good master's thesis. So yeah. read about, read about the Finch family yeah, and the, the bandits of Southeastern Wisconsin. It so be very interesting. <laughs> that is for sure. For sure. Write a book about that someday yes. then. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your research with us. That, uh-huh. is, that is astounding. Of course. Um, as you know, part of mostly what we do here on the project is we have a lot of oral histories that we yes. conduct. And for those of you that are listening right now, that if those of you that are listening right now, um, oral histories are very are a very fancy title for interviews. <laughs> that is that is exactly what they are. Yes. But um, being said, that is mostly what we do here on campus. It is in the title. Right. And. I was wondering if you could share your experience. How many oral histories have you conducted Mm -hmm. and what sorts of great memories or like kind of like eureka moments, like Mm -hmm. the ones you were talking about with the Finch Road sign? Mm -hmm. How many interviews have you conducted and what were some great memories that stand out from those said interviews? Mm -hmm. I have done um, four interviews um, over my, my three years, so, and... The, the first one was um, pretty memorable for me because I actually had the, the pleasure and the honor of interviewing um, my, my dear friend Erica Labs, who okay. uh, works at Ten Chimneys in Genesee Depot. And she is, um, well, I guess backstory on Ten Chimneys quickly is um, it's, the, it's a house museum today. Okay. And it's the home of Alfred Lent and Lynn Fontan, who were considered the king and queen of Broadway. Um, really? In, yes. So in the, the early um, 1900s, mainly, they, they ruled, <laughs> you really? could say. So in their, their kingdom was here in, in little Genesee. Uh, Depot, Wisconsin. Really? Yes. So the height of uh, of Broadway fame was right here. Was right here in Wisconsin. Yes. And there was because of them a lot of famous people that that came because they mentored and were friends with a lot of uh, famous people. So, um, and I have worked at Ten Chimneys right. over the the last couple of years doing. Um, uh, doseting, and I've also done uh, internships and research for them as well. So really? I was very good friends with Erica, and um, she is, uh, I guess you could say, the the living expert on um, the the farm portion of mm-hmm. the estates there. So because Alfred, um, again, this is really funny because he was such a big uh, theater actor, mm-hmm. he thought of himself first and foremost as a farmer. Really? Yes. So they actually had... Um, a farm on the land, and he he had um, he worked himself uh, himself in the gardens and in the out in the fields with uh, local um, 
local help. Mm -hmm. And so I got to interview Erica um, and learn about uh, more about the research that she's done. And that's actually, her research has been published in the Wisconsin uh, State Historical Society magazine. So that was pretty exciting. That's very interesting. Wow, that's, that's astounding. It's amazing how such talent was here in right. Wisconsin, in the heart of Wisconsin, yes. and how even though they were great Broadway actors and a great Broadway actor and mm-hmm. actress, they considered themselves farmers first before yes. anything else. That's that's very interesting. It has that that has to me? It seems like that's like a deep connection to the the agri- agrarian roots of yes. Wisconsin and Wisconsinites. Would you agree? I would agree. Well, and Alfred was from Wisconsin originally. He okay. he grew up in uh, in Milwaukee. Um, and then also he spent some time in a Swedish colony in Finland when he was he was younger. Really? So I think that that probably also had some influence on um, his desire for for the land and for culture. And, oh, of course. Or uh, uh, farming and things like that. So. Of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Growing up, that would yeah, the it's it's hard to escape the agrarian culture we have here in mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And <laughs> that is that's for sure. That's a perfect example of that. Yes, so yes. we're all connected to it in some sort of way. We are, yeah. So that was a very fun, fun interview, too, just because it was with, with my friend. And um, it was done in uh, Alfred and Lynn style where we, we had uh, tea mm-hmm. and we had uh, little cookies. and oh, So tea time plus interview. Yes, How it, was was, that? it was lovely. <laughs> that does sound lovely. <laughs> it was wonderful. I, so it was just very, very fun. And I know that, yeah, Alfred and Lynn would have been very, very proud if, if they had been there. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> Um, being, branching off of that, being Mm -hmm. a project that focuses on diversity and race and ethnicity, Mm -hmm. um, have you come across anything significant from the oral histories regarding race and ethnicity or, um, cultural diversity, or have you, um, had an oral history with, um, a person or people of part of a, um, in like a diverse cultural arena? Have Mm -hmm. you had an experience with that? I think that most of what I've come across, and I think that this is just because um, this is what represents Wisconsin, is that mm-hmm. um, when it comes to race and ethnicity, it's more of um, the ethnicity side of things, where it's um, the different European descendants, mm-hmm. and you know, you have a lot of, you have German, you have Irish, you have Polish, mm-hmm. and um, things like that, and so I think that's more of what I've come across, is just uh, hearing about um, people's uh, ancestry mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> learning about the um, the places that they come from and then how that then applies into um, their farming agriculture right. lifestyle as well because you know for, for some of them it's something that's been happening in their family for generations mm-hmm. is that they've been farming in, in this way and it's just in a different style now but that also reflects back to their their ancestry I think and their their ethnicity so that's right. that's mainly what I've come across there's been um, a few things here and there in um, interviews I guess referring to um, the topic of race I mm-hmm. suppose but otherwise it's mainly um, the diversity within ethnicity within European ethnicity, I think. Right. It is it is astounding here. I know I've noticed for a fact how throughout my life and everything, and I'm sure you have as well, how deeply connected Wisconsin mm-hmm. is, particularly with ethnic roots mm-hmm. and being that slightly like, European ethnic roots, like the German and the oh, Irish. Yes. Like the, I remember 
family Christmases and holidays. Oh, yes. Oh, you have our <laughs> Irish tradition, my mom's side, the Irish tradition, and my uh-huh. dad's side, the Austrian-German tradition. There and you then go. There, that just, it's interesting how that plays over into mm-hmm. the agricultural arena right and just like what you said like why do you think that is like why do you think uh, off the top of your head with your experience that we have played so much in Wisconsin why we have sort of looked back on our cultural roots and kept on with that in the agricultural community I think it's a sense of pride and I think that um, it's a sense of of connection and um, you find that sense of connection not only in um, in your own identity as like who your family is and where you come from, but also if, especially if you're a farmer, you find that connection in the land, and that land um, can be traced back generations to to uh, different family members. And so I think that that yeah, it's a sense sense of pride and just love of uh, the the land. I think, and they really connect to each other and I think that they go hand in hand I think okay excellent excellent I excellent I um yeah that that that, that seems very that seems very interesting and I, th- I I would have to agree with you mm-hmm. on that it's a sense of pride and connecting like longing back to to our European roots and our European right. descent yeah I can understand it very clearly mm-hmm. um in your opinion what has been the most rewarding part of working on the farm project Hmm, rewarding. I think it would be probably just learning about the the sense of, of community that there is in farming. And, and I think that that has come in many different forms uh, just from being uh, a community within the, the interns on the farm project and then also, like, as you uh, interview and conduct oral histories with other farmers, you get this... Um, really deep personal connection with them because oral histories are a very personal thing. They're allowing you into their lives, basically, and that, mm-hmm. that's an honor. And I think that because of that, um, you you get this really great uh, connection and bond with them. And I've seen that where um, I ran into, um, I conducted an interview uh, with, with Olivia. <laughs> um, Your partner in crime. Yes, my partner in crime, <laughs> Olivia Heckendorf. Um, I did an interview with her um, with uh, uh, Regenerative Roots, which okay. is a organic... Um, um, I am blanking on... Oh, no CSA. CSA. Um, <laughs> organic CSA farm. Um, and so then I ran into um, Anne uh, Dreifel at the Fort Atkinson Farmer's Market, actually, um, a few, um, maybe a a month or two later. And it was like running into an old friend. We were so excited to see each other and, you know, big hugs. And uh, I was there with a bunch of my friends. We were actually um, there supporting our our friend's band, Andreas and the Mariners, uh, who were performing at the the Fort uh, Atkinson Farmer's Market there. And her booth happened to just be right next to it. And all my friends actually thought that uh, Anne and I had known each other forever and were like long lost friends um, seeing each other for the first time. But in actuality, I'd only known her for like two months. Oh, really? (laughs) So I think that's been the greatest thing that I've gotten out of the, the farm project besides just, you know, the the hands-on skills that that I'm getting, which is going to be great for the rest of my life, but also the ability to um, really form connections with people um, and um, be able to 
treasure people's stories and keep right. keep those stories alive and, and living and um, and uh, honor them. Right, of course, of course. So just like the idea of preserving the stories yes. for posterity and bringing her because there's there's many stories that we have encountered through mm-hmm. the lives of people that we have conduct we have conducted oral histories with mm-hmm. and they're just they're beautiful stories and right. maybe safe for posterity and mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you like it's just it's amazing it's an honor to be shared and for for us to share for them to share those stories of us and for us to preserve them right. for time mm-hmm. of course and yeah of course like, the connections you make like it's so odd or not odd it's just so rewarding the connections you make mm-hmm. and how like how sincerely connected you feel with them after conducting or so you feel you just like they you just right. I mean you heard part of their life story yeah. and you just feel so connected with them exactly of definitely course, of course and um yeah it seems like you and Olivia are have it seems like you and Olivia have shared some great memories together which yes, is all so incredibly <laughs> rewarding yes <laughs> um what are um, just in general, I know you, we've shared, um, I know for you and I both, we have had, um, experience with the farm dinners in the past. And yes. that was with when we had our grant the last, last year, mm-hmm. last year. Would you like to explain to our listeners right now what all those were sure. and what we can, and as part of them, what we, um, as, as part of the the project, what we did for them and what the grant was about and what, um, what brought the community together with those farm dinners. Sure. I, I can at least explain a little bit about that. Um, the farm dinners were a great opportunity that we had to um, host these uh, dinners. We had four of them total. Um, and here at uh, UW-Whitewater, we have, I guess you could say, in our jurisdiction, um, we have uh, Jefferson, Walworth, and Rock County um, that we focus on here with our interns. So within each of those uh, counties, we had, as part of our grant, um, we hosted these dinners um, that were, we called them farm dinners, and they were... uh, um, usually uh, farm-to-table, so that uh, for our listeners who don't know what a farm-to-table thing is, it's uh, uh, restaurants that um, get their uh, food and um, uh, supplies directly from, um, as much as possible, uh, from farmers. Um, So we had, um, each one had a different um, theme to it depending on what we wanted to focus on as a topic and it was just kind of like a big glorified oral history Uh, so we had uh, we invited farmers or um, people who were related to farming um, that were from that county um, and uh, came together for wonderful food that was always very delicious and um, for great conversation. Um, and that was, I think, one of the greatest things was the ability to bring a bunch of people together who are um, passionate about agriculture and farming um, and hear their stories and have them bounce ideas off of each other. And um, I think my favorite by far was probably our, our second one that we had, which was uh, the Jefferson County Farm Dinner mm-hmm. um, at the um, uh, historic Edgewater Supper Club in um, Jefferson. Yes. And uh, one, it was just a great environment that was just so much fun. Um, 
a really great space. Kind of small, but yeah. I think that added to it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> we were cozy. We were still nice and cozy. Yes. Nice, nice and cozy at home, yeah. So, yes, but it had this really great atmosphere to it. And our topic um, for that one was on... Uh, focusing on family and farming. So we just had this really great uh, conversation then about uh, people's um, experiences with family um, and growing up on a family farm and then uh, people coming together to have uh, each other help out with um, harvesting and um, having picnics and parties for that and, and things like that. So it was just really exciting to, to hear that and then to hear these stories about that. and. Um, but the best part about that was that not only were we talking about how community used to be and people, you know, being nostalgic about how they wish that that was still the case, mm-hmm. um, because it's definitely a different world in farming today, especially oh, yes. in our digital and tech, techni- technical world, um, there was uh, this brand new community that was built within this very room where um, people who didn't know each other when they came in be- left almost best friends and uh, they realized that they were neighbors and they lived down the street from each other mm-hmm. and were then offering um, if they ever, if one needed help to just let them know or just inviting them over for a cup of coffee mm-hmm. and and that was just such a beautiful thing to witness to just see um, this glimpse of what community, a farm community used to be mm-hmm. Um, happening right there in in that room and having rebirths. So that was another really great thing that came out of all these farm dinners was just the fact that these um, farmers that that came um, then left with connections with each other Mm -hmm. um, and then are, I think, a little, little less... Um, almost feeling on on their own in in a way, just because our in our society today and our world, uh, it's it's very easy to to feel a little more secluded. Oh, of course, so. of course, yeah, it's definitely. I would have to agree with you, Trimstein. First of all, thank you. That was a wonderful explanation of mm. all of them. Oh, good. Of the farm dinners. <laughs> that was a wonderful explanation. Good. And I hope our listeners have a better understanding of what I was talking about now. Oh, good. But, yeah, I hope so too. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, I would definitely have to agree with you on that. I know the at the Edgewater, the historic Edgewater in Jefferson, mm-hmm. um, the dinner we had there, it was, it was, it was just as, the, it was just starting to be spring. The mm-hmm. snow, I remember the snow was just starting to melt, and the Fox Lake oh, River had so nice. just opened up, and we yes. had a nice dinner mm-hmm. with all the local farmers in the area yep. on their, their pat, I don't know, is a patio or a deck sort of to add to the restaurant? I'm yeah, not Yeah, it was kind sure. of like an enclosed, yeah, addition that it was right on the river so that was really nice and uh, the floor was kind of slanted so we all <laughs> tipped a little bit was, yeah. <laughs> the, floor, the ceiling was a little shallow yeah. us tall people were having a little bit of a problem but that's okay that's yes, all right that's was, okay but it was so much fun still and even when we finished um like people didn't leave right away people mm-hmm. stayed and um they had drinks or just talked for oh, a yeah, really well. long time like you, it was really hard to even get people to leave because... I was going to say, yeah, I remember us staying. I remember, I know for a fact, I remember staying like yeah. at least like an hour at least after an hour. we were done with our, done recording and right. done with our actual conversation that we wanted to do with yes. them and just talking about them with, with about anything. Yeah. So, and yeah, I, I would definitely have to agree with you as well. I think we definitely succeeded in mm. the bringing the community together aspects mm. of the, of the entire dinner. Mm. That was wonderful. I thought that... Um, I thought that just the, the sense, especially from the Edgewater dinner, the sense of community and the Mm -hmm. sense of 
charity and uh, maybe goodwill toward men. I don't yeah. know if that, and it's not Christmas time. I don't know if that makes any sense. So the idea, just those, but those ideas were just ringing about yeah. like from that dinner. And it just, mm-hmm. it was amazing to see the, not only the diversity that um, Dr. Levy, our, mm-hmm. Dr. James Levy, that's our, our professor that's coordinator of the, of the entire project. Yes. How he brought them together and the, the diversity that was there present, how they each shared each other and they bonded with each other and mm-hmm. how they, they sort of supported each other um, through all the hard times. And we talked about a lot of issues, mm-hmm. which I would like to touch on now. Mm-hmm. I just talked about a lot of issues in the farming community. We touched a little bit last time on this idea of the, the local farmer being lost. Like mm-hmm. there, that there's been, there's been this big resurgence in the past, in the past decade or so that Emily, my, Emily, Annette and myself talked about in our last broadcast. Mm-hmm. And we said that in the past decade, it seems like the the world has become aware that okay, the community, the the local farmer is lost. We we have lost the idea of the marketplace, the idea of the farmers market, the fresh organic, and we are it's just like big corporate foods now. And I think a lot of, I think there's been a lot of public awareness of that because of various books and various documentaries. Like I mentioned, Food Incorporated, mm-hmm. um, Omnivore's Dilemma. That's the book I mentioned, and mm-hmm. I think like that, and like just community awareness in general. My question for you is, what has been your react? What has been your um, experience? That have you noticed this sort of resurgence in the 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 farming, like the the going back to the local farmer and the farmers market and the fresh organic versus the big corporation, mm-hmm. big name foods? Like, what is your reaction to that, and what is your experience with that? I totally think that there has been a huge um, resurgence. I mean, it's a, it's a slow moving process, and you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, so nothing oh, right, nothing's going to happen overnight. But I think that uh, there's definitely been um, plenty of of new, um, even just organizations or um, things that have come out of this new um, awareness of. Um, per- making sure that you're buying local and, you know, even just seeing, like, bumper stickers on cars that, that um, say things like buy local mm-hmm. and um, are uh, promoting farm-to-table. And I think that that's a big thing as well is there's a lot of restaurants these days that are farm-to-table restaurants, mm-hmm. and um, they are providing their uh, customers with food that is coming directly from um, local farmers that are from from the area, and um, I think that that's something that's getting a lot of awareness out. And um, we have a great restaurant here in Whitewater called the Black Sheep, um, that is a perfect example of that. And the the owner and chef there, um, Tyler, he is um, just such a huge advocate, and he even actually goes into um, uh, educational settings with uh, younger. Um, younger kids and gives them um, almost like cooking lessons mm-hmm. uh, and uses um, food that's dr- like really fresh and um, explains where it comes from because too often these days you know kids just do- they get their lunch at food and they have a chicken nugget and they just assume that it comes from the package right. and <laughs> they some sometimes depending on where they are or what what their background is they um, haven't had a lot of experience with different kinds of vegetables and things mm-hmm. like that and you know the the idea of of eating um, you know rhubarb mm-hmm. or uh, some sometimes just kind of obscure uh, 
fruits and vegetables that mm-hmm. they've, they've never heard of, maybe. Right. Um, they then get to experience in um, these uh, these learning situations where um, farm-to-table restaurants and people like Tyler are going in and, and teaching and educating uh, students. And um, I think at the, the last farm dinner that we had mm-hmm. last spring, um, I forget which one was our last one. Was uh, that I in, believe it was the... Because it was in Beloit, wasn't it? It was in Beloit. I believe it was a Bushel and a Peck. Yes. Bushel we were and a Peck in yeah, Beloit. Yep. We were at Bushel and a Peck, yes. And I remember one of the conversations that came up was the idea of... Um, I And I can't remember if they actually had this uh, put into action or if it was just uh, in the idea stage mm-hmm. where they were taking, um, instead of the, you know... Uh, frozen processed foods at lunch uh, for uh, an elementary school. Mm-hmm. They were actually bringing in fresh uh, foods from local farmers and then um, using it as an example uh, for education then mm-hmm. as an opportunity for that and educating about um, where food comes from. Of course. And I think that's that's a really big deal and I think a lot of people also are um, caring these days about what they put into their bodies, whether mm-hmm. that's um, what clothing they wear or what food they eat, and they're um, trying to stay away from more processed things and that um, even going as far as going organic. And mm-hmm. uh, you have the rise of um, CSAs, which are community-supported agriculture mm-hmm. farms where you literally buy um, a share into the farm, and in return, by buying that share, you get um, a box of um, of uh, products from the farm. Mm-hmm. So, vegetables, um, eggs, whatever yeah. it may be, um, and those are becoming very popular as well. Mm-hmm. So, I I definitely say that uh, slowly but surely, <laughs> it's been it's been growing, and um, that there's there's been a change. And of course, there's also the farmers markets that are are huge. And I think uh, this was mentioned the last mm-hmm. uh, show about Madison's. Yes, Madison's farmers market, right, which the, is huge. Yeah, it's one humongous. of the biggest in the country. Yes. Right? it might be if it's not the biggest, it's one of the biggest. I know for right. a fact about that. And it's it's absolutely amazing to see how many people get really passionate and are um, excited about farmers markets and. Um, I know at home in Waukesha, that's one, something that my mom and I like to do, is we mm-hmm. like to go to the farmer's market on Saturday morning. Right, of course. It's just sort of, not only is it not only is it for a healthier lifestyle, but mm-hmm. it's also, I think, this resurgence of the... Um, the cultural, the cultural yes. aspect of it. This, re, this resurgence of, like, bringing community together mm-hmm. and this... Um, and we, we do have in, in America in general this idea of the individual, this idea of strong individualism mm-hmm. and individual integrity. Yes. But I think I would argue, and um, please comment on this, that this idea of the, this, this idea of the resurgence of the awareness of health and the farmer's markets, not only is it the idea of, not only is it the idea of making healthier lifestyles mm-hmm. and giving people better food to eat, but it's also this idea of bringing community together and sense of like this this longing, like a need for community and bringing mm-hmm. we we have to bring community back together in order to get through the the struggles of our time. Well, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about that? I'd I'd agree. I think that um, it's it's a, definitely a combination of of both those things. Where it's a um, the 
realization of both the the individual as a farmer and the individual as a consumer mm -hmm. and then within that you do have this um, great sense of community comes that comes from that but I'd say that the sense of community is is just as much an, an American ideal as the sense of um, individualism and I think that they go hand in hand together in that sense because um, for as long as America has been around, it's been um, all about community and coming together and helping each other in need and um, and you know almost like taking care of and caring for each other. All right. Um, and I think that that's definitely being seen more um, today as this um, realization of how important you know, the local farmer is and the small farmer and mm -hmm. family farms. Mm -hmm. um, and you even have a lot of uh, younger people, people mm -hmm. today who are, um, who didn't grow up with agriculture at all in their background, who are interested in farming now and are becoming farmers. And that's, that's a really exciting um, thing to see, I think. And uh, that's actually the case with uh, regenerative roots. They were both Ann and, and Dennis, uh, the owners, they, uh, didn't have any farming background at all, mm -hmm. and um, now are very passionate about um, agriculture and healthy, um, healthy foods and organic, and um, and uh, just providing and connecting to the land that way. Mm -hmm. Of course, of course. And you mentioned just a minute ago how there are children who have never seen a. They've never seen a, they've never either been to a farm mm -hmm. or they have no access to fresh food. I know, mm -hmm. um, I think it was last time, I think someone mentioned, I think Emily mentioned that at one of the interviews, she was list or she listened to one of the um, recorded interviews that we mm -hmm. had, and it was the gentleman who was speaking said that he brought, or it was a, it was a, I'm sorry, it was a gentleman and his wife, mm -hmm. and they brought, um, they both went to a classroom one day, and they were they were local farmers. They were educating students about the farming community, and they brought with them fresh broccoli. Oh yes! And the kids, they they offered them some, and they ate every bit of it because they, they had loved never it. they loved it. They had yeah. never had anything so good before, yeah. and it's just it it shocks it shocks me particularly mm -hmm. that. Um, the people have never had, they've never even seen a farm before, ever been on a farm. I don't know if that's been your experience with it. I don't know mm -hmm. if it's been your experience. Have you, are you very stunned by this fact that you some kids have never even been on a farm or even seen a farm before? Oh, yeah. And I mean, you definitely have that in the case of especially um, urban areas mm -hmm. with, with cities and, um, that was something that we, we talked about at that, that um, same farm dinner in, mm -hmm. in Beloit was um, just because that is a more um, urban area than, than rural. And you have, uh, very often or not, um, even the, uh, the idea of, um, they're called food deserts um, in certain areas where they don't have um, access to, uh, I guess you, you'd consider it nutritious foods. Um, it's more of, uh, you know, the gas station on the corner where you can pick up a couple of Twinkies and right. things like that. That's, uh, due to, um, low income and, um, just, uh, location. So there are a lot of people and it's, and it's really sad and, um, 
hard tar, hard to hear because um, you also have you know the um, stereotype of oh vegetables are disgusting and oh, yeah, you know who course. eats spinach and of know, course. we had Popeye who you know always got stronger from oh, spinach yeah, but that course. still <laughs> seems to never get kids to eat their spinach um, but uh, I I love spinach actually now spinach and is delicious it is it's wonderful and I think that people don't really necessarily realize that mm-hmm. and um, I think between like awareness and um, just opportunity to have access to Mm -hmm. these foods. I think that that um, is the thing that's difficult and um, uh, especially in inner cities and urban areas, you don't have, um, you have a lot of students, like I said, where they think when they get their lunch that it came from, you know, the the packaging. Right, of course. It came from the store. It came from the freezer. And they have no idea, and that's, again, education. So it can all be summed down, uh, awareness, opportunity, and education. That acronym, AOE. You should coin that acronym. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll get right on that. Right. Um, You mentioned before Mm -hmm. about food deserts, and I'm glad you did mention that because I I was jotting down some notes here, and... I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to bring up something and just get your initial response to it. I'm sure mm. I know what you'll say. But, okay. Um, it was a couple years ago. I believe it was two-ish years ago. Uh-huh. There was a food desert. Um, it was Detroit, Michigan. Mm. became the biggest food desert mm. in history. It had been determined. Ge- mm. Geographically speaking, I'm sorry, excuse me, demographically speaking, it had become the biggest food desert in American history because... Mm. As of, I believe, I think it was in 2012, they filed for bankruptcy. The entire city filed for bankruptcy because of Mm -hmm. how bad the economy was. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they had, in the entire city, they had no access to fresh organic food. There was none whatsoever in the entire proximity of the city. You had to go take the journey out of the city, which is very, it's very, um, it's very uncomfortable because, that's not the right word, it's very... Um, it's very weird to think about because that is where the re- because it's low income families in particular mm-hmm. who cannot make the journeys out of the city to get right. those subproducts and they can't afford the subproducts nonetheless. So it seems like the idea of food being the idea of fresh organic food is hitting our poor communities the worst. And like mm-hmm. you touched on, and or the idea of the uh, the the depriving of said organic food is hitting our poor communities the most. Mm-hmm. And I know um, one of the gentlemen at the um, Bushel and a Peck, the Bushel and a Peck um, dinner that we went to in mm-hmm. Beloit last year, yes. he mentioned that um, he brought this up. I remember that was a big, that was a big point in the interview that um, McDonald's has made a very big marketplace off this, of like the poor urban communities mm-hmm. because it sells like the dollar menu yep. and it's, it sells items from like the dollar menu, mm-hmm. and while it's very unhealthy, it's cheap, and people have to that that's that's their only option, nonetheless, because of geographically speaking or um dem- or finance finances mm-hmm. and so on. Yes. Um, my my question to you, <laughs> getting back to it now, is just your initial response to the Detroit, the crisis in Detroit, and what. Our listeners out there, what can they do? As my, I think I know what you're going to say, but um, going back to the acronym AOE, but um, what can they do to help like cities like Detroit with the said um, problems of the lack of organic and fresh produce and fresh food in general? Well, I think um, a really 
great opportunity um, that we, we've seen an, an emergence of is uh, the idea of urban farming. Um, and there's a great example of that in Milwaukee um, called Growing Power, um, where uh, you, you have um, not only um, like urban farms, but you also have community gardens and um, you know, rooftop gardens and places like that where they're, they're utilizing the space that, that you have that's, um, you know, in the, the concrete jungle of the city, but uh, making it um, uh, usable and being able to um, be able to get fro fresh produce that way then um, I think is, is one of the, the big answers to that is um, just being able to maybe... Um, again, awareness. <laughs> uh, get that awareness out there and that education because um, it might not even be something that people realize um, that there is such a thing as, as urban farming because, you know, farming is always just associated <coughs> excuse me, with being um, out, out in the country, out in the middle of nowhere. But in reality, you can actually bring the, the farm to the city. Um, and I think that that's uh, probably a really good um, option and a very good answer um, to to solving um, uh, well not completely solving but a step in the right direction um, for the the difficulty with dealing with with food deserts and um, I think that especially with uh, community farming because you know the word itself community if people are coming together working together and I think that that um, has a lot of benefits to it um, in many different forms. And one of the great things about that then is that you also get fresh produce out of, of it. Course. So that's probably the, the main <laughs> benefits. Mm -hmm. But all goes back to the education, opportunity, and awareness. All, yes. go, all goes back to that. All goes back so to all that. All goes back to that. And that's what our mission is here, the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project. Yes, it is. So, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that response. I appreciate that. I know we got a little off topic, but that's, oh, that, that's, that's, okay. that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> Love conversations like I this. I do. <laughs> These are the best kind. <laughs> of course. Well, as a closing question, mm -hmm. I would just like to ask you, you will be graduating I this will. spring. I we know. are very sad to lose you. We oh. will be oh so sad to lose you. We don't know what we're there. That is, that is, no one can, re no one Someone, someone will just succeed you. No one can replace you, though. Oh, so, that's so sweet, Joe. <laughs> no one will be able to replace you or fill your shoes. But um, with that being said, what being your last semester in the project, is there anything you would like to say on air right now about the project or just your experience with it? Anything you would like to say in general as sort of like your last uh Hurrah. <laughs> yeah, it was your last hurrah before graduation in a couple months. Yeah, I, I've i had a lot of fun on the farm project. And, and it's funny because, um, like, I have farming in, in my background with uh, my um, great-grandmother and my I have family that farmed in, in Michigan and, and Canada. But I probably never would have guessed that I would have been doing research on the history of farming in Wisconsin at some point. And... Um, it's, it wouldn't necessarily probably be my, my first thing when I would hear about this project to be like, oh yeah, I want to do that. But mm -hmm. it's actually been really a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And just to, to have, um, all the opportunities that I've had to meet people and interview them and collect these oral histories and, um, to even have, um, access to, to, um, 
hands-on um, artifacts and um, look at pictures and, you know, be collecting that story. Um, so that's been, been really, really fun, and um, I think that it's really exciting um, now we have so many interns on the project now oh, here, here at Whitewater in, in particular. And, uh, that's just absolutely wonderful. And so we jumped from what, like five last semester yeah. to like almost 20 this semester. We, we have a lot. We can't even fit into our, um, our lab, our public history lab our for our lab, meetings. Our so. lab, yeah. We, so. we've, we've upgraded from lab to conference, conference room. room. <laughs> so we're climbing the stairs gradually. Yes. So I think that that, and that has a lot to say about how far the project has come um, over the years and particularly the three years that I've been on the project is mm -hmm. just to see where it's grown. And it's, it's really exciting to see it. And I'm, I'm very proud of mm -hmm. that. And um, I'd really like to see um, out of either this semester or, um, really, really soon in the, the near future to be able to see, like, substantial um, <clears throat> physical projects come out of the farm project, because we've been collecting all these oral histories and, and um, archiving all of these uh, different different things over the years, and it, I'd really like us to be able to, to do something with these things right. and um, to see something come out of that that the public can have, that these right. farmers who have um, contributed to our project can can have for their own right. um, and I think that one of the great things about all the new interns that we have is that they've got so many different um, passions and talents and skills that we can actually do these things mm -hmm. now um, so I, I think that I'd like to encourage all of our our new interns to just really continue to stay passionate about that and um, passionate about what you're doing because um, you might be like me where I never would have guessed I'd be doing <laughs> research mm -hmm. on on uh, uh, farming, but to just uh, really find something within that to to fall in love with and make it your own, and to then from there be able to um, contribute um, to the project in making making these actual things, whether that be um, continuing to build the website, mm -hmm. or maybe uh, we eventually produce um, and create a. Um, coffee table book with all of the mm -hmm. wonderful pictures that we've we've taken and the clips of oral histories and things like that and then also just being able to maybe even combine with our um, area research center that we have mm -hmm. here on campus which is a wonderful um, archival space yes. to be able to um, have our archives for the farm project be connected with that so then people can come in and um, experience and um, research and study with what we have and they, they have access to that themselves. I think that that would be a really exciting and wonderful thing to see happen as well. If there's three people that should have your back, it's your lawyer, your archivist, and your reference librarian. Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is the motto. That yeah. is our motto, I believe. So, yes. um, And you definitely are right about the archive, the archivist, that we have a wonderful area research center. We do. A wonderful archive. Absolutely fantastic. Yes. And, um, yeah, I know what you said before with creating physical things. I know we've been talking about writing, publishing a book possibly mm -hmm. or publishing a paper mm -hmm. or some sort of, some sort of literature. I know yes. we've talked about, and I think, I don't know, I think it'd be really cool if we publish a coffee mm -hmm. table book and yeah. uh, walk into Barnes and Noble someday and see that sitting on the shelf. Right. Like, I helped out with exactly. that. Exactly. You know, and to have something that you can have for a long time and look back on and, you know, brag to your grandchildren that, Oh, back in the day. <laughs> oh, yes, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah, I helped back in the with, day. yeah, yeah. This right. Was, this was what I did. Right, something, it's 
not only is it something to get our name out there, but something to preserve for posterity for exactly. ourselves. Yes. We, we get so caught up in preserving other people's posterity. Right. Someone's got to preserve our posterity. Exactly. Yes. So we're we're preserving all. history, but we're also making history at the same time. Yes, of and course. That's that's what I really love about history is that it, it never it never stops. It's right. always it's always con- right. continuously growing. Right. <laughs> Hopefully, someone will write a paper on us oh, in the next. In the I'm next, sure yeah, they will. Or, yeah, <laughs> or we'll be mentioned. Or the yes. project will they'll be mentioned in some way, shape, or form. Right. So. We'll be Excellent. Well, thank you so much, LaChloe. I want to thank you for being in here today, and you are a wonderful asset to the project. Oh, thank you. We will miss you dearly. Um, No one can fill your shoes. No one could replace you. And on behalf of the entire project, I want to say thank you for all your hard work and dedication, and we will miss you. Please come back and visit. I will. Thank you so much, I'd like to have you on the air again at some point. I would love to be on the air with you again. It's been wonderful. Excellent. Thank you. Well, for all those listening out there now, I want to thank you for turning in to the second broadcast edition of Wisconsin Farms Radio, brought to you by the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project that is broadcasted at 91.70 Edge at WSU Whitewater. That's Wisconsin State University, Whitewater, Wisconsin. And um, for those of you out there that are listening that are interested in possibly learning more about the farm project or getting in contact with me or being on the air as well you could visit our what we have many outlets to choose from you could contact us from we have our website which is www.wisconsinfarms.org we also have our facebook page if you are social network savvy we have it's just wisconsin farm the wisconsin farms oral history project Mm -hmm. page verbatim that's it and then uh, we also have um, also if you are encouraging um, one of if you would like to contact one of us directly you could contact myself I will um, you can contact me you can go on the the university directory page and just look up Joseph Maurer I'm sure you'll find my name right away and my contact info to get in contact with me also um dr james levy if you look on the university website you'll be able to find um the directory for his information as well and he is again in the history department he's the coordinator for the project so if you're if you're looking to be on the air or be interviewed or help in the project in some way contact you can contact him as well and once again i want to thank you for listening with us and being with us and Sharing more roots, sharing more stories about the cultural roots and the agricultural history of this great state. So, thank you very much, everybody. Today's Sunday. I don't think we have anything going on this week, do we? I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no idea. Last time it was Super Bowl Sunday, so nothing, nothing too big going on today. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. No, Easter's not for a while yet. No, okay. we got time. We got time. Time <laughs> to plan out for that. Okay. All right, everybody. Have a good day. Um, have a good day, have a good week, and the next broadcast will probably, you'll probably hear from me next, not until the end of March, probably. I will be busy up until then. So thank you very much for listening, and this is Joe Maurer for the Wisconsin Farms Oral History Project signing out. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, my bad. I didn't even realize I'm going to work with these much before. I didn't realize you had the wrong one.